Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to MBR, or as we like to call it around here, Nothing But Rants, the show where I find topics that I'm oddly passionate about, and I pontificate upon them. These are not hot takes, but rather takes that I'm hot about. Shut up and grab some tape. Do you believe me now? I told you I was coming to be the best YouTube channel on the internet. I told you. I told you we were coming, baby. Do you believe me now? That's my question to you because let me tell you something. Okay, it gets real uncomfortable when a football man starts walking around in a media person's world. All right? And I'm about to get real comfortable out here in this joint right here. Deion Sanders, ladies and gentlemen. Deion Sanders was talking his talk all offseason, and he's certainly walking his walk right now. Um, the Colorado Buffaloes are the talk of college football. They have the Heisman front runners, and they had the biggest win of the weekend this past weekend, overcoming a 21-point underdog to the TCU Horned Frogs on the road in 140-some-odd degree heat, um, come out with a 45-42 victory over the runner-up uh, national, what do you call those, the national title runner-ups from last year. Granted, totally different football team. Uh, only three remaining starters from last year's football team. They did a whole bunch of transferring and flipping over as well. They didn't necessarily play their best game. Quarterback plays atrocious at TCU. We can make all the excuses in the world, but the fact of the matter remains, Saturday, we saw a football coach who is probably the most hated football coach in America, I believe, in terms of just the vitriol that he creates. You either really, really like what he's doing at Colorado, or you have starched opinions about how it's going to fail, or you want it to fail. There is no in-between. There is no mediocre, lukewarm response about Deion Sanders. And here's my thing, okay? I have one rule. It's the consistency rule with regards to coaches. I don't care what you are. I don't care if you're flamboyant. I don't care if you're arrogant. I don't care if you're confident. I don't care if you never say a thing in front of the media like Kyle Whittingham. If you just show up and you just talk and you leave. I don't care. As long as you are consistent. As long as you are the same guy today as you will be tomorrow as you were three weeks ago. As long as your tone, your messaging, your diction is the same and it is consistent you're my guy. I'll stand by you as long as you are consistent. And Deion Sanders is a lot of things. He is a lot of things. But he is all of those things consistently. There is no doubt about that. There is no change up in his game. There, he is throwing smoke all day. From the day he shows up to the day he leaves, he's throwing gas. And that's who he is. And there's a lot, like I said, there's a lot of people that dislike that. But in my opinion, the brashness is who he is. It's always been who he is. And he doesn't curtail it because it makes some people feel uncomfortable. It definitely does. All right, if you watch his press conferences, media not necessarily comfortable around Deion Sanders because they're not used to being talked to that way. They're not used to being addressed that way. Um, it is very, very different than what most energies and most people give them. Um, but it is consistent, like I said. Um, and I think through that consistency, through that consistent message, Colorado has an opportunity and a chance to be consistently here. Until Deion Sanders is not, which is very likely to be soon, okay? With Shador Sanders being a senior, um, Travis Hunter having two more, one more year after this of college football, don't know if you're necessarily going to see Colorado being a national title in any, you know, foreseen future. I would imagine it's the next big five, power five job that Deion Sanders is ultimately going to take because that's the track, right? The, the end goal is not, God did not call him, if you were talking to Deion Sanders today, to be the head coach of Colorado forever, I would imagine God called him for something in his mind to be a much bigger person. Boys, how are we doing today? Doing good. I'm a believer now. I'll tell you that. You much. believe now, huh? I believe now. What you got going on there? Free Harbaugh, bro. Free my boy Harbaugh? Free. Listen, hey, four's up. Four's up. Four's up for my boy Harbaugh. Got to. Just tragic what happened. Should we moment of silence? My house. Yeah, 10-second moment of silence. 10-second. Ten 10-second's Ten a long time in radio. That's good enough. I think we're good, yeah. <laughs> Shouts out to my boy Harbaugh. Um, the definition of a consistent psycho. That guy is consistent as can be. Speaking of Mr. Consistency, my boy Aaron Murray. My boy Aaron Murray is about as consistent as consistent gets, and he is consistently on this channel every other Monday. Let's bring him in and add him in right now. Mr. Murray, how are we doing today, baby? Oh, hold on. Hold on. Don't, don't answer that yet, Aaron. 
Don't answer that yet. We got to get you added to the stream. Let me know when we're ready. Live programming, you got to love it. Aaron, how are we doing today, baby? There we go. God, I'm glad you didn't hear me talking crap about you for the past 10 seconds. <laughs> uh, man, doing doing good. Sorry, I was really apologizing for being a little tardy. I never like to be late. Uh, I blame Noshan's internet on, on the tardiness, though. So. Hey, when, when you can just come out here and name drop, like I'm, I'm trying to do show, and I get a text from Murray, sorry, I'm going to be a little late. I'm filming with the guys. And I get a photo of Murray, Ben Jones, what was it, Tavares King and no Sean Marino in a, in a, in a quad box? <laughs> it's a good show. It's a good show. We don't got all the fancy tools like you got, but uh, it's a fun little show. For some reason, no Sean's internet was a little shaky, a little shaky, shaky, shaky out there in Denver, but uh, we, we made it work. Absolutely bugging out there in Denver. But speaking of Denver, we were just talking about Colorado. Uh, Murray, initial thoughts. First of all, what did you think going into the football game? Were you buying the Deion Sanders hype? Um, did you believe that this was something that could be possible? Are you a believer now? I was a believer, and I was someone that, and we were talking about that a little bit with, with, the, with those guys over there. Um, when Auburn moved on from their head coach, uh, I was like, dude, get Deion. Like, he is everything that, that you need to be as a head coach in today's game because he's the ultimate CEO. He's the ultimate salesman. I don't need a guy that is going to be a master of the X's and O's. I don't need a guy to call the offense and the defense. Like that's going to be a dinosaur. There's very few guys still calling plays. I was in Missouri last week. Eli Drinkwitz gave up the play calling. Jimbo Fisher gave up the play calling. Uh, Ryan Day gave up the play calling. He may take it back after what we saw this past weekend, but there's only a couple guys still doing it. In today's college football world, I need a guy that is charismatic, can sell my program, can motivate players, and Dion may be the best at all of that. Yeah, all I, mean, I really, I mean, all I really need is he a can CEO. sell the shit out of it. Yeah, all, all I really need is a CEO and a, and a face of my program. And like yep. you're saying, I almost, I almost have withdrawals now or like uh, withholdings now if I hear that a head coach is still calling plays. Unless you're Rink, Lincoln Riley, who, by the way. Yep. They have things that slip through the cracks at USC every single year, one of them being mm. defense. They can't seem yep. to figure it out because their head coach is so hyper-focused with offense because he's still calling plays. He's still the assistant yep. uh, quarterback's coach. He's still doing all these things, and he's not able to look at the full scope of the full football team. I, you're right. Well, I, don't, I, I, guess, I, I got some interest on that one because I was talking to them when I was in Missouri last week, talking to their staff, and their defensive coordinator told us that. They're like, it, 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 Eli's a new man. He gets now able to build relationships with guys on the defense because you do, you get kind of put in this bubble and you get so focused on just hanging out with the offense, being in the offensive meetings, talking with the offensive players, obviously being with them during practice. Where, like, as a head coach, you are neglecting half the ball, you're neglecting that side of, the, of, of your football team. And even talking with Eli, he's like, Man, I'm enjoying life. I get to hang out with my team more. I get to know the players a little bit better. There's less stress on me come Saturdays because I'm already doing a million things when it comes to recruiting and entertaining this kid and that kid and going to talk to this booster. Like, I, it was hard for me to do everything. And now I can just focus on being a head coach. He's like, I wish I would have done this earlier. Um, and his coaches are like, man, he's like, a, like I said, a new person. So, yeah, I, Dion, once again, go back to your question. I'm, 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 am I surprised they won? Yes. Am I surprised that he's having success? No, he, he's a, he's a, he's an incredible coach. He did that at, previously at, at, at the HBCU, Jackson State. Um, the more thing, the most thing I'm surprised about, I didn't realize Shadir was that good. Yeah. His son at quarterback, like that was eye popping to me. How how good of a quarterback he was, like super legit. Not just a thrower of the football either. He was playing the position, right? He was processing yep. information, layering the football too. Played with a tremendous amount of touch on Saturday during that football game because TCU played a lot of uh, mixed coverages as per usual. Um, a lot of zone with some man mixed in. So some of those football you know, throws weren't just like, oh, dude's wide open, rip it as hard as you can. <laughs> some of those balls were, hey, we got to throw it over one defender and up underneath another. The definition of layering the football. Um, when he's not like super athletic, but he was athletic enough to yeah. keep plays alive. Like he's not his dad. No, like, like for sure. Like he, but, but a couple of times, like the, 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 the spin move out of the pocket, the hesitation, then, then kind of feeling the pressure and it, 
you know, he's more athletic than Tom Brady. I know that you know Tom is supposedly helping him, but that was what made Tom really good too in the pocket. Was we talk about like that sixth sense of a quarterback? Mm -hmm. You don't have to be a four-four guy to be athletic inside the pocket. You have to be able to feel pressure. You have to be able to feel leverage and understand like my tackle or guard kind of missed a guy in this spot. Yeah. How can I subtly move? And the, and the key word there is subtly move in the pocket to buy myself a throwing lane and buy myself just a split more time to throw the football. And he was doing that. So I thought to me, he's not an extremely athletic quarterback, but he was athletic enough to make plays inside that pocket. The new standard for that, that definition of, hey, not athletic enough to be a threat with his legs and be a scrambler, but plenty of athletic to extend yep. plays is Joe Burrow. I mean, that, that's the definition of that to me. That guy, we don't want running yep. design plays. We don't even want scrambling. But by God, as a defense, we don't want him extending plays either because he's extremely uh, a, a, an extreme threat on the run. Hey, what would you think about Travis Hunter's performance, Aaron? Uh, he's unbelievable. I love the confidence, though. Like him tweeting before, like Heisman engaged, yeah. and then going out there and doing it. That takes some balls, man. That takes some big, big balls for someone to essentially call your shot. I mean, that's like Babe Ruth style, you know, pointing to, to right field, saying, I'm about to take this thing yard. He did that. And yeah. then to be able to back it up on both sides of the football was incredible. I mean, was he perfect? No. I mean, he pretty damn close. To, I mean, he should have had probably another pick or two. Yeah. Dropped a couple passes. But overall, to play 147 snaps, to, to be the best player on the field defensively, to be the best player on the field offensively for an entire game in 100-degree heat. Uh, I was telling my boy T-Bob this earlier today. He doesn't need to practice. He doesn't. He's, he's so good and so naturally gifted and such a playmaker. He's a guy that you just say, man, if you want to get some reps for the week just to, to tune some stuff up, okay. But, like, we just need you to be rested and ready to go come Saturday. Because that is the worry. Can you play 147 snaps for 12, 13 games in a season? That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if you want him practicing that much. Like, he's going to be fine come Saturday. You just need to make sure that his legs are there come Saturday. Here's what I've decided on him, Aaron. I, I've, I've watched him since he was a 16, six, a sophomore, a junior here in, in Atlanta. And – it's it's unlike anything I've ever seen. It's an evaluation yeah. I'll refuse to to make a stance on anymore because it doesn't make sense. He's not he's he's knee knocked, Aaron. His knees his knees face inward. He's 175 pounds at yeah. like five eleven and a half. He looks unlike anything that's ever been this. We've seen some things like this. We've seen some anomalies in the athletic world. We haven't seen it with the, he's like a four five eight runner. He's not he's uh -huh. not like one of these all American an athletes. Athlete. He's an all American football player. It makes yeah. no sense playing hundred and forty nine snaps in a hundred and eighty degree heat or whatever it was Saturday. It makes no sense the rest no. of the time with the with the uh, Travis Hunter evaluation. That's all I got. It makes no sense. I can't explain no. it. No, he's he was it was so much fun to watch. Like I said like those were the bigger surprises to me. Like. Dion coaching ball, yeah, he can coach ball. He can motivate. Like, I knew you were going to get a team that came out there hungry. To me, both those guys exceeded my expectation. I knew Travis was going to be good. I want to say it's more Shadir and kind of how he played and, and how good he played the position. And I would say this, like, for me, I would say the most impressive thing, because we didn't see it last night when, with LSU, because LSU got knocked in the mouth in that third, fourth quarter, yeah. and they quit. Colorado got hit and punched. And they came back swinging and swinging and swinging and swinging. And with a team that that may not doesn't have the depth that that other teams have across the country, a team that was literally built six months ago, yeah. Like you, you wouldn't be surprised if they're a bunch of front runners. Like, okay, you yeah. came out swinging, but then all of a sudden, third, fourth quarter come around, and you're on the road and 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 at TCU, the team that was just in the national championship a year ago. If you took a punch to the chin and you kind of just withered away, like I wouldn't even be like be mad about it but i am damn shocked the fact that they were able to take it come back and still win that football game tells me a lot about the dna of that football team yeah i kind of expected them to come out and have some early momentum not just because of the juice of being their first game but 
because they had such a schematical advantage of TCU having no idea what they were or what they were going to be. But you're right. To see them continue to answer the bell, that's a sign of a a football team that's ready to fight. I mean, that's what coaches want to know when they leave fall camp. Are we ready for war? They certainly were. Hey, how's your boy T-Bob feeling this morning? Uh, I think he was feeling better this afternoon than he was last night. Um, We did a post-game show and – he, he was not there. We had to bring in Peter Burns to, to take his place as a resident LSU guy. Uh, I'm sure he was hurting a little bit. I should be in Baton Rouge this week, and I got the LSU game uh, this weekend. So really interested to kind of sit down with their coaching staff and just be like, Phew, where are we at? Because I think I just posted this not too long ago. I still think this is a team, in my mind, that's still the favorite to win the West. And I know people like want to just obviously throw this team out because of what happened in the you know end of the third quarter, fourth quarter. FSU is a really good team. I think we can all agree on that. Like that team is loaded. It's a really good offense. You got NFL receivers everywhere. You got a great running back and a quarterback that is is I mean performed incredibly well from where he was two years ago. So that's a great football team. That based on what I'm seeing from eight, from Clemson right now, mm. FSU could be 13 and 0 heading into the playoffs as the number two seed, number three seed depending on what happens with Michigan and, uh, and Georgia. So that's a good football team. I still like LSU. you got to figure out a couple things. One, you got to figure out the running back position because you can't ask your quarterback to do both. And Jaden had quadruple the amount of, of rushes in, in, the, in the next you know running back on that team. Yeah. you got to figure out the running back position, uh, and you got to figure out what the hell to do with Harold Perkins because he was a shell of what he was last year. So you get that organized a little bit more, I think the majority, like DBs are DBs. You'll get beat every now and then. But I think if you can get Harold Perkins playing at an elite level, rushing the passer, and then Mason Smith back on that field, that defensive tackle, that will solve some of the issues on the back end. I was talking to somebody about this today, um, somebody in the scouting world. You know, Harold Perkins, you, you've seen him in person. He's only like, like maybe six one and a half, two. He's Micah Parsons. Yeah, but Micah Parsons is 6'3", with like really long arms. Um, so his natural position when he gets to the league will be off ball linebacker. He will play inside the box. He will not be an every down edge rusher. And LSU had this problem last year, Aaron, if you, if you remember watching them on first and second down, they were getting bludgeoned in the run game. They were getting absolutely gashed because Harold Perkins is playing virtually defensive end at 225 pounds as a freshman. Now, when they got teams into obvious passing downs, Nobody can block the some bitch. Nobody no. at all. No. So if what we're going to do is play him off ball, then do that on first and second down. Let him run the alley. Let him show that he can play NFL off ball linebacker. But on third down, dude, we got to win a football game. So why are you not rushing him? Like, mm-hmm. I understand the outlash. I understand everyone with the backlash on him. But the premise of the decision to move him to inside linebacker makes sense. The decision to leave him out in space, covering people on third down, that's his head scratching, is running the ball with no timeouts on first and goal inside the 10 on Saturday, which is what Georgia did. So, like, there are plenty of questionable decisions. That one right there, 100%, you're right. I don't get it. You got to let him roll. You just got to let him see ball, get ball. See ball, get ball. And there are some times, too, where, I mean, I remember, I think they were backed up, four was backed inside their 10-yard line. And you decided to drop eight in the coverage. And, 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 and to me, it's a fine balance. Like, you don't want to necessarily put your corners on an island, but you also don't want to give a quarterback without, without bringing Harold Perkins as one of maybe those three rushers five, six seconds to get through his reads. Like, I would still rather the quarterback get the ball out now and, and hope my DBs can cover for two seconds than drop eight in coverage and hope those guys can, can, can cover for five, six seconds. Like that that was the, the the balance they were trying to figure out last night. And I just felt like every time they wanted to drop more in the coverage instead of trying to get after Travis, usually bad things would happen. Mm-hmm. So I always like said I I'm I'm I understand that a lot of people are, are now on the Alabama train wagon because of what happened against um you know their 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 first game uh, yeah. over the weekend and, and how good their Milro looked. Don't sleep on LSU, man. They're still really good in a lot of positions. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sell that stock just yet. It's, I, I don't love seeing the, the random ass whippings that they've taken the last two years. 
You know, FSU does this to him. Tennessee did this to him last year at home. Like there's A and M did it to him. A and M did it to him. There's like three games in the last two years that it's like, hey, those don't match the rest of the sample size. What the hell's no. going on? Um, and that's and that's not a Brian Kelly team either. Like no. To me, the biggest concern from last night was at the end of the game where it looked like they quit. Yeah. Like they started getting trucked. Big like time. FSU started lowering the boom on them, running them over. And they weren't getting up like pissed. They were getting up like little bitches, essentially. <laughs> I mean, just like we're taking it. Like it was pretty bad to watch. I'm just like, dude, you just got r- trucked. Don't don't get up like a wounded dog. Yeah. Man, like Pop get up, up on the fight. And I didn't see any fight in that football team late in that game. And that was sad. Like was. I know FSU had some penalties early on in that game for some unnecessary roughness, but at least you knew you had some dogs on your team for FSU. Like dudes that wanted to get in there and fight. Like you need some of that if you want to win. Yeah, they almost killed Jaden Daniels. Um, well, that was his own fault. Yeah, shouldn't be jumping in the middle of traffic. Um, hey, I watched that. I went and back and rewatched that Tennessee versus Virginia game. Am I wrong, or is that the same Joe Milton that we've always had issues with, where it's like, hey, you've got the biggest arm in the world, but why can we not hit that wide open dude running down the middle of the field? I mean, there was three or four. Why are we overthrowing that slant? Why are we overthrowing that dig? Yeah, you hit the one deep ball that he dropped, but I I saw the same inconsistent, super big armed Mm -hmm. quarterback that I've always seen. Was I wrong there, Aaron? It wasn't as bad. Like if you go back and watch that Pittsburgh game from two years ago, he missed three or four guys wide open and that cost him the game versus Pittsburgh. So like it wasn't, I don't think it was as bad as that. I think he was a little bit more accurate. And, and, and the funny thing is I watch him and I don't think he's trying to throw the ball hard. Mm -hmm. Like I don't look at him and see like a, a, a guy that is just muscle, just throwing it through guys chest on purpose. I just think he's just, he, he, I don't know if he's physically capable of not throwing it that hard. It's yeah. like Superman trying to open a door up. He's going to rip the damn door off the hinges. As, 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 as gentle as he wants to be, he just can't be. He's just that gifted and that strong of a thrower, and it is going to be what it is with him. Um, I, I, I would disagree. Like, I don't think it was as bad as it was two years ago. Yeah. Has it improved enough to where I think like this guy can make a run at the Heisman? I don't think so either. Like I, I think, I think Tennessee is going to be a good football team because I like their receivers. The offensive line's got to get healthy. I like Joe Milton enough where I, I still think they're, from what I saw in the SEC East this week, mm-hmm. they're contending for that number two spot too. Because I, I was not enthralled at all with Kentucky and Devin Leary in his first go. Um, you know, I had Missouri. I liked watching Missouri. I thought they were pretty good. South Carolina was crap. Um, Florida's crap. Who am I missing? Who am I missing? Who am I missing? Vandy, baby. I mean, if, like, who in the SEC East was impressive this weekend? So I'm texting, I'm texting Murray Friday night. I'm like, how did Missouri look? And he's like, or it was a Saturday. I don't know. I was texting him. They played on Thursday, right? Missouri did. Yep. I'm texting him. I said, uh, how's Missouri look? He's like, oh, they're going to be a good team. They might win eight games. <laughs> they might win eight games. Um, it's good for Missouri. That's great for eight, Missouri. They should have won eight games last year. You're right. Freaking missed an extra point essentially versus versus Auburn, then fumbled it in the end zone versus Auburn. The 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 punt block versus Kentucky that ended up being roughing the passer. Obviously the Georgia game. I mean that they should have had eight wins last year. Um, I'm with you. I like Missouri. I mean Missouri. I said this last week. Missouri. I had higher than than South Carolina heading into the season. A lot of people laughed at me. I'm like, just wait, just wait. Yeah, I made the dumb decision of picking South Carolina in that football game the other night because we have a rule on this channel. If you can't block worth a shit, we can't pick you in a pick em football game. Um, and I thought that the worst of the offensive lines in that football game was going to be North Carolina, you know, because they've given up 40 sacks each of the last four years yep. under Mac Brown. And come to find out, South Carolina couldn't block a high school football team tomorrow if they mm-hmm. needed to. Um, nope. So, yeah, the, the theory of not picking shitty offensive lines worked. I just picked the lesser of the shitty offensive lines, um, mm-hmm. which I didn't I know was shocked. possible. Shocked. I mean, I, I didn't know. I didn't know it was possible to be worse than North Carolina's offensive line, but apparently South Carolina's is, um, which is going to be a problem in the SEC this year. Hey, you mentioned him. What would you think about Jalen Milrow this week? Because I, I've been talking about on this channel how – 
it just made sense for, I don't even know why we discussed a quarterback battle there, because if we're going to be some dominant rushing football team, the only quarterback in that room that added into the run count was Jalen Milrow, and sure as shit, he led the team in rushing on Saturday. I was, You know what, the, the biggest shock to me, I was watching the film last night, and I was like, the backup quarterback came in. I was like, okay, now I get to see what Ty Simpson looks like. It wasn't Ty, it was Buckner. Yeah, I was like, wow. So I texted, I texted Kublik, who was on the call for the game, and his crew I was like, dude, what, what the hell? Like, why wasn't Ty Simpson not the backup quarterback? And he said, they just feel like Buckner knows the system better right now. Like, I, I guess that was the biggest holdup was Ty. I mean, he didn't say this directly, but kind of what it made it seem like Ty just had not really taken a firm grasp of the offense well enough for them to say, hey, you go out there and even. Probably, probably what hindered him from being really truly competing for maybe the starting position. So, um, that was wild to me because I thought he was really into that 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 potential being the starter and to know that he's number three. I was like, okay. Uh, I thought Jalen played well. I mean, we knew how how athletic he was. Like, there's no hiding that he's maybe one of the most athletic guys on the field at all times. I don't care who they play this season. Mm-hmm. I thought he improved throwing. I thought there was some great anticipation on some of the passes he had. I saw some inaccuracy at times because he has kind of a weird, very short delivery that at times is kind of a shot putty. So mm-hmm. you're going to see some balls that kind of die a little bit towards the end on yeah, some of the intermediate down. throws. But I thought it was a good first game. Um, I'm still not sold yet until I see it against a good defense. Yeah. Because seeing what he did last year, seeing what he did in the spring game, I've seen more of turnover Jalen compared to good Jalen for me to say, okay, Middle Tennessee like solved his problems. You could do it versus Texas, which is a good defense, mm-hmm. a great run defense that's going to put you in third and long situations. Then I'll start believing in you. I think inside the 20s, he's going to move the football really, really well. I think as an offense, they're going to move the football really well. It's when them spaces start to tighten in the red zone that I think his turnover issues are going to become a problem. Now, the one thing that doesn't make any sense to me, zero, and what you just said. And I, I believe Cole Kublik. We all believe that. I understand that. How, it, how is it absolutely possible that Ty Simpson is behind Tyler Buckner in the retention of the offense when Tommy Reese and Tyler Buckner came from Notre Dame and we've been told they have to learn Alabama's offensive system? That's what we've been told all offseason, that Tommy Reese came to Alabama to run Alabama's system. Now Buckner knows the Alabama system better than Tyson. The whole intel coming out of the quarterback room at Alabama has been completely fugazi. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I, I was I'm telling you, I was shocked when I saw the film, and I was shocked when I got the response from Cole because that was kind of the I think a lot of feeling. But let's be straight, like it's it's still going to be. It, it Saban dictates what type of offense it's going to be. But Tommy Reese is it's still going to have his flavor on it. And there's going to be certain things that he likes done and executed in a certain way. Yeah. Uh, or a concept that he likes being run a certain way or, or read a certain way from the quarterback. And, you know, and also, too, there's there's a, a thought process of if you're not going to be the starter, you know, let me have a reliable backup that I trust, that I know that I'm familiar with, that when it comes to nut crunching time, if, if Jalen goes down, I can send you out there. And you and I have some sort of chemistry already built together from an offensive coordinator, quarterback standpoint, where I know, and this just kind of came to me right now, it kind of makes sense. You're preparing all week for Jalen to be your quarterback. You're not preparing for Ty Simpson. If something happened to Jalen, I want my backup quarterback to be a simulator, to be someone that I know that I don't have to be like, oh crap, what is Ty good at? What is Ty not good at? Like maybe it's just the fact that he doesn't see enough of him to know. If something did happen to Jalen, that I could go call game for Ty Simpson. I don't know. That's just a thought. Just kind of came to me a little bit. No, it checks out. The starter and the backup, ideally to have as little a drop off as humanly possible. You'd like them to be somewhat similar. So it, it definitely well, it is similar, out. but just like know how to call a game for him. For sure. Like I know what Buckner's good at if I'm Tommy Reese. So I know what plays I can call that he can go out there and execute at a high level. Where I haven't really worked with Ty Simpson enough to really know that yet. Hey, I know you were busy this weekend. You're obviously calling the Georgia game, and, and this game happened during the Georgia game. But, man, for as much as people were freaking out about Mike Bobo and Carson Beck and talking about Jalen Milrow and, and Cade Klubnick's on TV right now struggling and, and all these different quarterbacks that are having their first year as a starter under a new coordinator, 
That Ohio State offense looked as about as stagnant as anybody in college football this weekend, and they looked totally different under Kyle McCord. Dude, every time I looked up on short yardage, they were in I formation, which is not Ohio yeah. State football. It's something that they've done in years past, but it is not Ryan Day football. That is, we are protecting quarterback football if I've ever seen it. What did you see from Ohio State this weekend, Murray? Uh, a lot of that too. Uh, I saw you know better defense, which I'm sure makes them happy. But you know, less obviously less explosive plays. I mean, we've just been so accustomed to explosive plays from the quarterback position, from the receivers, from quarterbacks that can run, like Justin did a, a few years ago. I, I'm torn because when I went back and watched it, like I saw some good from Kyle McCord too. It was like I don't want to just throw him out, you know, and just say, oh, he's he's. You know, he had a bad first game on the road versus Indiana, another conference team. So he must suck. And, and Ryan Day, swung, you know, they swung and missed the quarterback spot. Like, there are some throws in there that I'm like, okay, I can see it. I can see it. There's some, some, there is some, some talent there. Is it enough talent to, to go out there and win the conference? I don't think so because their biggest rival, Michigan, Michigan's quarterback, uh, JJ McCarthy, looked like he took, 20 steps in the right direction this offseason. Yeah. He was fleeing all of the damn ballpark. So I kind of, if you want to compare what the quarterback for Ohio State needs to be in order to compete with Michigan, then it's a problem. But what I did see was a, 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 hopefully an improved defense. Mm -hmm. um, offensive line was, was iffy for Ohio State. I think that was a little bit of a problem. But I saw a young quarterback that was playing his first game on the road that made a handful of good throws, a handful of bad decisions, a stupid pick trying to throw across his body, that's going to go back, watch the film, make the corrections. And I think they play what, like Youngstown State next week? Yeah, it's Probably going to go through for four or five touchdowns. We're like, okay, it just need one week to improve. So I, because I've played the position, I'm a little bit hesitant to just start ripping young quarterbacks who have never really played a full game or a full game on the road as a starter because I know how hard it is. I'm going to give him two, three weeks to see what the hell this offense looks like before I'm like, okay, Ohio State screwed. Penn State's probably going to beat them. Michigan's probably going to beat them. Notre Dame's probably going to I think we're, we're throwing that narrative out there without giving the chance, a kid the chance to improve from week one to week two. Yeah, it's you're talking about knowing how to call a game if the backup goes in. We had uh, our boy Berm on last week from Ohio State. He covers the Buckeyes up there. Those two quarterbacks, Devin Brown and Kyle McCord, they're two totally different football players. It sounds yep. like Devin's far more of a creator. He's far more athletic. He plays with – much more of a free style, if you will, much more of a playmaker style. Whereas like McCord's depicted as this game manager and they're two totally, it's, it's a very, very different room than Ohio State's maybe been accustomed to. And in years past, it's just been like, oh, Ohio State starting quarterback, 3,800 yards, 35 touchdowns. It just didn't look like that was automatically guaranteed this weekend against an Indiana football team who, let's be honest, they're not great. Like Indiana's no. not a world beater in the Big Ten. So, um, yeah, it's, it's something not necessarily to freak out about, but something to be, to be paying attention to. I mean, you, you, if you're Ohio State, you start freaking out. I'm pulling up the schedule right now. I mean, I would say unless you see massive improvements this weekend for showing Sound State, then, then you can start freaking out a little bit because yeah. you know Notre Dame's only a Notre few Dame's weeks coming. away and you know, Notre Dame looks pretty damn good right now. Yeah. And you're on the road. Notre Dame looks pretty damn good. And Notre Dame looks like they're going to be able to put up points, like real points yeah. for the first time in a decade. Well, don't forget so, last year, Notre Dame's defense kept them in gave everything. it to Ohio State too. in you know, up there at, at, at Ohio State Stadium. I mean, it was 21 to 10. So, Murray, uh, Bobby Petrino and them boys down there at Texas A&M put up 50 on a mid-major football team. And everybody's saying, oh. Look at this happy marriage between Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino. Uh, do you buy this? Is this? I know we were talking about it earlier. Head coaches that think their coordinators needing to step away. Do you think this was the automatic like answer? A and M suddenly going to be this offensive powerhouse and juggernaut all of a sudden? Because that's what it seems. Well, I don't know to if be. it's necessarily just the 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 play caller difference. I think it's the quarterback difference. Yeah. I think Connor Wegman is someone that they haven't had in, in three or four years throwing the football. Yeah, because they've had talent at the receiving position. They haven't had someone that can get them the ball consistently. And you saw Wegman last year at the end of the season, how good he looked. And I thought he looked really good in this game as well. Um, and they're loaded at, at, at the receiving position from Anias to obviously Evan Stewart, who had a monster game. Um, Noah Thomas had a great game as well. It's like they got dudes. They just haven't had someone to throw them the football. So was Jimbo a little 
you know, old school in his methods offensively. Yeah, could could he have maybe been a little bit more advanced to help out a, a struggling quarterback position over the pack up? But yes, he could have. But I think the fact that you've injected some new life into the offensive playbook, and now you do have a really good quarterback on top of that with the talent surrounding him. I know it was New Mexico, and and you know you should have put a whooping on him. But I'm just saying, like the fact that that we can see, and we saw once again, you saw it last year that you have a legitimate quarterback should make Aggie fans pretty excited. And I went back and watched you know Miami from this past weekend too, and I know a lot of people are excited about Miami and you know and, and their quarterback, and they beat Miami, Ohio, and the defense looked great, the offensive line looked great, yada 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 yada. I'm still not sold on Tyler Van Dyke. I think I think AM goes in there and beats the brakes off Miami, beats the brakes off them. Like I could see him being double digit wins um versus Miami. Like, like that's how good I think AM is, how talented I think they are and deep. And now they have a quarterback they can believe in. I think this is a dangerous football team this year. I think you're right. And here's how I know I, I picked them to finish sixth in the SEC West. Um, just because I'm I'm the the opposite of a Jimbo Fisher believer. I think uh the reason they have such inconsistencies in play and performance is because, well, his ability to get his football team up every single week is the question. It's not their talent. It's the ability to get up and be ready to play and, and compete every single week was the issues that I've seen over the last couple of years. Um, but I started getting calls because rumbling started happening around the SEC during camp that, oh, shit, Texas A&M might have a quarterback. Like, when mm -hmm. these things happen, you kind of know – like when a guy is balling out in camp, other SEC coaches start hearing. They start knowing. And I got a call last week where it was like, hey, dude, A&M might be undefeated. Like they might go. They might, might something might happen. Because if you think about it, like Connor Wigman, we're hearing, can play in some quarterback is what we're hearing. And oh, by the way, Shamar Stewart has an argument for the best defensive player in all of the SEC if things go his way. And Evan Stewart might be the best offensive player in the SEC if things go his way. From a position player standpoint, he is that electric. So we got a great defensive player that's at a pivotal position. We got a great quarterback, or at least one that we think might be one. And we got a wide receiver that's absolutely elite, Ananias Smith. So, like, they're not Dude, a they had a young youth last year, man. They played a lot of young guys on defense. They did. And a lot of young guys on defense. Let's not forget, the only team that beat LSU and Alabama in the past two seasons, almost beat Alabama back-to-back -back seasons, is Texas A&M. So, like, the talent is there to beat the big boys. <laughs> Last question I got for you, Murray. If Iowa can't score 25 points against Utah State, should they just go ahead and fire Brian Ferentz today? Dude, it was, was it, 17 points in the first quarter? I'm like, oh, my goodness, Cade McNamara, this offense, they're rolling. You know, Iowa's going to win that side of the Big Ten. They're going to face Michigan in the Big Ten championship game, blah, 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 blah. And then it's like they just went dark on offense. So, um, yeah, not, not a good start when you're already kind of behind the eight ball when it comes to what is it? He has to score 25 points per game to 25 points keep per his game contract. You need games like that where you score 40 mm -hmm. to uh, to get that average going in the right direction. So a little nervous for Iowa, but uh, it was a good start at least. At least you know same thing. You you have a quarterback in Cade that is significant upgrade from what you've had for the past couple of years. It seems like we were joking about it before the show. I, I, I think old Kirky might want Brian gone. You're out here taking your foot off the gas in the second half against Utah state. You must not want your son coaching football. Anymore. I know. Um, hey, that's Aaron Murray and he's got great stuff going on over at the players lounge here on YouTube. Make sure you're subscribing over there. Also on Sirius XM also on ESPN. Hey Murray, which one of these jobs that you don't want anymore? Can I have? Don't forget, don't forget snaps with uh, my boy T Bob daily daily show uh, on the volume channel with good old Colin Coward. Um, I got way too many jobs, way too many jobs. My wife's like, Aaron, how, how do you have a voice? Because I do probably seven hours of content a day. Hey, just go and slide them your boy's way. Hey, that's Aaron Murray. You guys know who he is. Aaron, I appreciate you for joining us today, baby. We'll talk to you in two weeks. All right. See y'all. All right, man. Hey. What kind of what kind of network out here? We got we got we got Aaron Murray, we got Terrence Edwards coming out here tomorrow, we got film study, we got jokes, we got big fat head, we got film study, we got all kinds of stuff going on, on this channel. We got two producers that are known as dweebs around here. Just rocking the name brand, man. That's all that's how you gotta do it. But yeah, content top tier. Galore. Right now. I mean, can't get enough of it. You know, I had I had people legitimately saying, Brooks, you've got to stop. 
You've got to slow down on the content. We've got too much. We just can't watch it all. Tough titty. Good problem to have. Good problem to have. Um, we had some st- some stowaway topics yeah. today. What do we got? So do you want to go? You didn't go hardball. Did you want to tap on that a little bit since we? Four's up. Okay. Um, I th- what, what is up with this victim complex? Mm. Why? It's self-imposed. You did it. You gave it to yourself. They said, I'm like, what are you going to suspend you? They haven't decided yet. By the way, most petty suspension ever. It's incredibly petty. <laughs> like we talked about with Pate last time he was on here. First three games of this year, just so happens they start the Big Ten schedule against Rutgers game four. One game suspension next year. Turns out they play Texas week two. By the way, Texas is out of conference schedule. Holy shit. Man. Wolf. Schedule next year. Oh, my gosh. What are y'all doing? Um, y'all don't need no money? What are y'all doing? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, no, I don't get it. The, the the whole idea of the fours up, like he died or something. Well, like Yeah, like coming out of the bus wearing free Harbaugh tapes to your shirt. It's almost it's almost satirical, like they have to know how cringy it is, right? There's no, no way they're all serious. About I don't think that. they, they do. are not aware. I not aware. Do. I, th- I think they really do play the victim. Like JJ after the game was talking about how he cri- he cried in pregame, or was on the verge of tears Whoa. pregame because he didn't have his his coach out there with him and and all that good stuff. Do you know what Harbaugh was doing during the game? Ironing his khakis. No, he's at his mother's-in-law's house grilling out hamburgers and hot dogs. I was about to say he's grilling in those khakis. Yeah, he was just he was just eating food. <laughs> He wasn't worried. He was great. He was grilling hamburgers and hot dogs. Oh, God. That, just, that is kind of funny. Just to go back to the He was out here cooking. Go back to the hamburger <laughs> well. For the first time out here cooking. Yeah, for the first time out here cooking. <laughs> um, yeah, dude. Wild. Yeah. Uh, maybe me want to uh, – especially after you just said, like, he's at Ma- um, McNamara – or no, McCarthy, sorry. Yeah. Both M quarterbacks kind of get me mixed up. But um, on the verge of tears, like, that just yeah. – that makes me want to puke almost. That's just so cringe, man. That's S-A-W-T soft. Take that to the Hallmark Network, bro. Like, get out of here with that. Anything else on the Burnham topic? I got a, I got a couple of them. Let's hear them. Let's do it. So, them. I think we found the first coach that might be in deep shit this year. Dave Aranda. I called oh, it. no. I called it. Oh, no. Oh, no. Not my Baylor boys, man. Yeah, you, you come out as a 26-point favorite and you lose by double digits to Texas State. They were getting smoked yeah they they did it's not even like it's a fluky game like they just flat out got beat that was that was bad what's the last time we saw one of those just flat out get beat by a jackson no jackson state jacksonville state barely beat ole miss a couple years ago well it was florida state i think and it was on that um no jacksonville state got them and ole miss like 10 years ago that's right yeah that's right tulane uh usc last year that was that was that was a fourth quarter football game though yeah I don't, I don't, I can't off the. T- I'm sure it's happening. This might be the first yeah. that in, I know in a of. while. But I, I can recall. Where like you got handled, son. Yeah. I looked up yeah. and it was 28 to 10. You were getting handled. Yeah. By a uh, mid-major football team. Yeah, it was bad. It. They were playing catch up the whole game. So, Dave Aranda might be in trouble this year. Because when you lose, he's get, getting warm. Yeah. He's getting warm. Dude goes from almost winning a Big 12 championship to two years later getting. Thumped up by North Texas. Yeah, like the seasons, like that. There was that one good season, but the seasons right around it are been bad. awful. It's been awful. And then even awful. Texas Tech too, the Big Twelve. Yeah, they Texas also Tech lost. Got snuck up on. Yeah. yeah, that's not good. Mm, not a great start for the Big Twelve. A Texas Tech football team's like an average age of thirty-seven too. <laughs> so Pac-12's had a pretty good start. Who had a really good start? Bo Nix was having some fun in Week One. What do you think of? No, t- t- hold on. Read these stats that you're so yeah, telling yeah. me. But, but before that. Are you buying into the Heisman hype now for no. Bo Nix? Still not? Actually, friend of the show, Dan Lanning. Yeah. Bo Nix, baby. Heisman. Right. So, you heard that, Dan? So, Come on the show. Come on, baby. Come on back on. I know you're busy. Don't act like you're ignoring. I see you ignoring my texts. Don't act like you don't see them. So, did you did you look at Bo Nix's stat line? No, because I saw him beating Portland State by 80. Yeah, so it's weird because they put up 81 on him, which is insane, right? Yeah. He only threw for 287 yards. Here's where it gets weirder. How many passing yards do you think his backups had? Two backups came in after that. So they ran the football that well against Portland State? Yeah. His backups had eight total attempts. It was just under 15. I think they combined for 100 yards, like under 100 yards. Interesting. So they didn't even throw the ball for 400 yards. They had four rushers go over 50 yards. But they're hitting 80. 
Huh? Yeah. Has had short fields all day. Must have had to. Yeah, I'm a couple of not. I'm gonna be honest. Short fields and all and defensive touchdowns. Yeah, God, I didn't. Scores. I didn't watch the game, but 81 points. I mean, it's hard to put up 81 points when you're playing FCS Southeast and NCAA 14. So. By the way, I hope every team for the remainder of time, when you're up on Oklahoma, I hope you score 100. I hope you beat the shit out of Oklahoma when you beat Oklahoma, because I am so sick and tired of looking up in the middle of week two and watching Oklahoma beat up on some mid-major team like they're Billy Badass because they're just a bunch of bullies. And then the next week they play a real opponent and they get beat. I am, I am tired. It's, it was Lincoln Riley. It was, uh, it's Ben Venables when he's got an opportunity. It was all of them. You look up every single weekend and Oklahoma's up 48 to nothing and midway through the second quarter still throwing the damn football. I'm tired of it. It's gross. First time I ever felt bad for Butch Jones. That was just a tough scene. Ooh. It's gross, man. Yeah, why, it, why, why are you doing that to somebody? It's gross. I don't know. Yeah, poor, poor Butch Jones, man. That was tough. Even his players, after like before the game was over, and they they showed like a camera on the yeah, side. Yeah, players like hugging him, patting him on the him, back. On the back. Oh, gosh, that is sucks. Sad. So, I'm gonna offer you all of my Shane Beamer stock. Would you Would you like to buy it? I'm out. I'm out on Shane Beamer. How and much stock is left, though, bro. I I have been I have been Mr. Shane Beamer. I have been. I would play for that guy, Shane Beamer. And I'm done. I'm I'm done until. I don't know when, but I'm done. And here's why. You get you out here giving the feet for free, first of all. We can't be doing that. Subscription service alone. Fans of only. All right? We got to do something. We can't be out here giving the feet for free. Second of all, you lose a 14-point football game. And I don't care if it's out of context. But when you go up to a microphone and start blaming uh, the, the onside kick or whatever on, on, on the chain crew and they're eating hot dogs and, and you're bitching because the, the, the Duke's Mayo Bowl doesn't have post-game stats ready for you in your post-game press conference. Soft. Soft. By the way, they didn't have stats ready for you, but you didn't have your football team ready. Okay, You didn't have your offensive line ready. Maybe you shouldn't have taken 12 hours with Brandon Marcello three different times stopping your workday for 35 minutes to just, I don't know, hang out with a 24-7 sports reporter. Maybe you shouldn't be doing that stuff. Maybe the media loves you because you make yourself readily available every single opportunity you get. Maybe that's why. I I think sometimes I get made out to be this guy that just wants everybody to do it like Kirby. I don't. I don't. I don't necessarily want you to do it like Kirby. But what I don't want you to do is prioritize media availability over having your football team ready, which is what it seems like. Guys, I'm not the most busy man in the world. I'm certainly not the most interesting man in the world. But if you, today, viewer, walked into my house and said, hey, every other hour, I need 30 minutes for you just to sit down and fuck off with me. Are you kidding me? Are you out of your mind? No. I don't have 90 minutes to just waste. And I'm some slappy who gets on YouTube and just talks for an hour. And I don't have that. So why in the hell does a CEO of a Power 5 football program have the opportunity to just dick around for 90 minutes? The answer is, he don't. He doesn't. He doesn't have that much disposable time. So you probably shouldn't be giving it away. All right? And you damn sure shouldn't be giving the feet for free. Damn sure shouldn't yeah, be that was for free. <laughs> Dogs and glizzies. That's the, that, that's the, that's the <laughs> caption for Shane oh, yeah, Beamer man. right now. But th- my thing, too, about the postgame comments was, I mean, the whole your whole reason for losing was just right there. I mean, it was glaring obvious. You gave up nine sacks. That was the reason. Spencer Rattler played great. There was nothing there on the other than the offensive 350 line. Three hundred and fifty yards passing. Yeah. So the reason for you to kind of <coughs> highlight for a reason why you maybe lost the game, like all you had to say was like, "Man, we just didn't block well." I mean, they were in our backfield the entire night, but instead you want to take shots at the chain crew and everything else. Now, like, apparently, South Carolina beat reporters are out here saying he got taken out of context that after that statement, he went on to blame all of the mistakes that they made. But I don't give a shit. You, you led with all yeah, the ones that that's weren't what you. started you. with. Just cut that out and get to the point after. Yeah, if you lead with why you lost of anything regarding the chain crew, that's not how you started out, bro. Mm-hmm. You can say, you know, we're disappointed in the way we played, but X, Y. You don't even need to mention it. It doesn't benefit any way. You just look whiny. I've seen Kirby make a handful of mistakes in his career. But glaring mistakes, Saturday was the first one that I'm in the box going, what the hell are you doing? And it was when they ran the ball, Mm -hmm. first and 10, 
fall inside the 10, no timeouts. You cannot do that. You burn a play just to stop the clock. It's, it's football one-on-one. -on -one. You can't do it unless you're on like the half-inch yard line. And when I asked him today, you know what he did? Owned up immediately. Didn't blame his coordinator. Didn't blame his quarterback. Didn't blame his left tackle, who, by the way, whiffed on the play. They walk into the end zone if the left tackle, Ernest Green, just has his head up. That's it. But they didn't. They get tackled. They waste a play. They have to kick a field goal. And you know what he does? Miscue. To be 100% honest with you, miscue. My fault. I take pride in that. Shouldn't happen again. Won't happen again. Period. All you had to do. All you had to do. The Shane Beamer we needed was the Shane Beamer we got after the Georgia game a couple years ago where he just needed to say, like, they whipped our ass, man. Yeah, like, that's they, it. They were just better today. They beat like, us today. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. all you had to say. Like, they were just a better team. We did not show up. So it sounds like the Shane Beamer hype train has come to a screeching halt. For this guy. So For this guy. Here's another one that I don't think people are really talking about. Everyone, Deion Sanders obviously won the weekend. Colorado is the darling of the are week. Are you going to Sonny Dykes me? I'm wondering, not not Sonny Dykes you, but I'm just saying, how quickly does it take for TCU to turn on Sonny Dykes? Because if this team goes five and seven, which Dude, they, they look, had, they look capable of doing right. They now. had five pre-snap false starts at home, five, yeah. five dead ball penalties. They have what? If you look on our lads right now, seven or eight of their starters are from the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. Sounds about right. He got lucky last year picking Max Duggan week two. To be a starting quarterback, Max Duggan ends up being the runner-up for the Heisman. Didn't enter the season with that guy as a starter. Year one in that program, a lot of fluky things. Mm -hmm. A lot of fluky things there. But it's it's also interesting to me because, like, we've seen this happen before where your team goes to the national title or they even win it and you have bad seasons after that and they run a coach out. But that's been with your LSUs, your Auburns, where they're perennial teams where the fan base truly, your blue bloods. They truly believe that we should be contending for a title every year. I don't think TCU fans believe that as much. No. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, because Sonny Dykes was the one guy that got them there. So how long do you stay to that marriage if he's consistently giving you six and six, seven Shit, they five? gave Gary Patterson 15 years. And I think they would – I don't even think Gary got fired. I think Gary retired. Yeah. So I am. it's going to be interesting to see. And, and maybe TCU goes 10-2 and two this year. Maybe it was a week one hiccup. But – I do kind of want to know what goes on if they do consistently start churning out six and six. How long does it take for the fan base to turn on them? All right, that's been it for us. You got anything left? I was just going to say that. I don't even know if you could classify TCU season last year as lightning in a bottle. It's more like finding a penny in the ocean. Like, that's completely yeah, wrong. Yeah, no shit. Um, hey, I told y'all, that Duke football team, not one you want to draw week one at all. That Duke football team putting Clemson in a phone booth right now. Hey, for Brooks Austin, for the Film Guy Network, for Patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin, for the Film Guy Network, for all things involved with producing this production. We love you. We appreciate you. Hit that thumbs up button on your way out. We'll see you tomorrow.